we live in a uh, hurry-up world, and a lot of us suffer from hurry sickness. Here are a few symptoms courtesy of John Ortberg, pastor of Menlo Church in California, if you are suffering this terrible disease. You may be hurry sick if you find it difficult to wait for anything. You find yourself getting antsy as you wait there at the traffic light and it just doesn't turn green. You find yourself, you know, the, the, actually the, the plane lands and it taxis up, up, to the, up to the gate and the bell goes on and immediately you pop up out of your seat and you reach for the stowaway bin. Or at the grocery store, you have a choice between several checkout lines. And you carefully count how many people are there, and you multiply that by the number of items in each cart, and then you make your selection thinking that, that you're pretty sure that this is going to go faster, and you know it always happens, right? <laughs> the cashier gets distracted, the, somebody has forgotten something, and, uh, and uh, there you are, you're frustrated, and, and then you look at the other line, which was so much longer at the beginning, and now they're already done. <laughs> I found myself getting, actually getting frustrated even at Starbucks this morning, because whenever I go into Starbucks, I just want a tall, dark, no room. But there's always somebody in front of me that has, the, you know, these elaborate drinks with all of these shots and... Oh, you know, uh, I just want a cup of coffee. But I, I wait, and I, I get antsy, and I get frustrated. I, I think I'm sick. You may be hurry sick when you're always multitasking, you know, doing several things all at once. So you're watching TV and reading a magazine, and, and, uh, and uh, you know, you're, you're talking on the phone, and, and uh, you know having dinner and eating, and you may be hurry sick if your physical spaces are filled with clutter because you never have time to put things away. You come in, you rush in the door, and you just throw things around, uh, and you're afraid to death that friends might pop up and see how, what a messy house you live in. You may have a messy desk at work. Apparently, one researcher has noted that the average desk worker has 36 hours worth of work on the desk and spends three hours a week just sorting through it. I don't know how that research happened to be, but somebody has studied that. You may be hurry sick if you feel useless after a long day's work. You come home and... Uh, and uh, uh, those who, who, who need you the most, those who are most precious to you, you have nothing to give them. You just give them leftovers. This is what someone has called sunset fatigue. You know, all those end-of-the-day behaviors that signal hurry sickness. You rush around at home with no particular reason. You speak sharp words to your spouse or to your, to your children, even though they did not deserve them. You, you rush your children along. You know, you set up races. Okay, kids, let's see you can get into the bath first. Tell your family that your schedule will lighten up in a week or two, and uh, you know it never does. And uh, you are hopelessly overscheduled. Busyness has become a way of life. And then you indulge in self-destructive escapes, watching too much TV or drinking too much or scanning X-rated sites on the web. 
And then you land in bed with no sense of gratitude, but only exhaustion. John Orberg notes that hurry sickness causes love impairment. The most serious sign and result of hurry sickness is a diminished capacity to love. For love and hurry are fundamentally incompatible, says Ortberg. Love always takes time, and time is the one thing hurried people don't have. And so as a result, all of our personal relationships are incredibly superficial. Hurry sickness and the exhaustion that comes with them can lead quite literally to physical and emotional breakdown, as you all know. And I read that one in four Americans would describe themselves as exhausted. And the fact is, if we don't slow down a little bit and allow for some rest, uh, that we may very well be forced to rest in a, in a hospital bed. But one of the things you notice about Jesus' ministry is that there is never a sense that He is in a hurry that he's, you know, frenzied. He had the world's most important agenda. I mean, to save the whole world, right? And so little time to accomplish it in, in the sense, you know, three years of public ministry. And yet, as you examine your life, you never get the sense that he was in a rush to teach or to heal and to get his father's work done. Now, Jesus, being fully human, of course, was very tired at the end of a, of a long day. Uh, he, human after all, meeting all the physical and spiritual needs of people, and the, crowd, the crowds thronged around him day and night, and they surely wore him down. But nowhere do you get the impression that he was at the point of sheer exhaustion or physical breakdown. So that Jesus learned to pace himself. He established a rhythm in his life, and he knew that there was a time to, to work and a time to rest a time to give himself to others, and a time to retreat, to find renewal for his spirit. And this pattern of life is evident in the first chapter of the Gospel of Mark, where we read, As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her, so he went to her took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but He would not let the demons speak because they knew who He was. But very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. This, uh, so, this, this pattern in his life that we see very early in the gospel of uh, work followed by rest, it was a, a secret of Jesus' effectiveness. And though he was thronged incessantly by the crowds, he sought a solitary place, 
to rest and to commune with the Heavenly Father. He found new strength. He uh, knew full well the, the truth of the words of Isaiah. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Because our Lord knew how to pace Himself, He could handle interruptions in stride. Jesus' disciples were themselves involved in, in ministry activity, and uh, they were finding themselves stretched to the limit, and there was so much to do in so little time, and they too had to learn to pace themselves. So Jesus gave them some good advice, and so we read in the sixth chapter of Mark, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to Him all they had done and taught, and then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. So can't you hear the Master saying to people who are harried and hurried, to hurry sick people, perhaps like you and me, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So that you and I need to establish a rhythm, a balance in life. And that was the intent of the fourth commandment you know, the fourth of the, of the Ten Commandments in the book of, of Exodus, the Sabbath commandment. And so we read, Kyle, if you would put that up. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But He rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, this commandment is really an incredible gift to humanity. It's a gift to us. And what a gift it was to those early Hebrews who knew only slavery in Egypt, who worked 24-7 and suffered so. In other words, life is more than work. God knows we need time to rest and to play. There was a, a dramatic scene in an old uh, film about a man who designed aircraft, and uh, you know there was a, an old-fashioned air show where uh, barnstorming pilots would get into their, you know, their acrobatic planes, and, and they would uh, perform these amazing feats for those watching below, you know, double and triple loops. And, and, uh, and there was one pilot who was so famous for his loops, performing very tightly such that, uh, that uh, the, it looked like the plane just kind of flipped over. Well, this pilot was, you know, was, was flying this plane, and upon landing, uh, it, uh, the plane uh, broke a, str a strut on the wing. And so he jumped, uh, he, he landed, he, he jumped in another plane, gunned the motor, and 
uh, the designer, seeing him do this, shouted and waved for him to stop. And this pilot who had his adrenaline flowing just, just ignored him, and, and so he just roared off into the sky. And the designer said, that plane can't stand it. Come, come back. <laughs> Don't do it. And lo and behold, the plane crashed. And somebody standing by said, how did you know that it was going to happen? And then, of course, the designer said, well, I built it. I built it. God knows we need to slow down. Someone said the human body is a seven-day clock. If it isn't rewound every seventh day, then ultimately it will run itself right into the grave. And that's just the way we are made. And so the fourth commandment is for us. It's not so much a call to laziness as it is a call to balance our lives, to pace ourselves. And it says that we need to strike a balance between work and play. There's a time to work, a time to play. And it's a responsibility. It's not a responsibility, it's a commandment. You know, so often in public opinion, you know, we treat ourselves to a day off, you know, after all the to-dos are, are checked off, you know, or we think of it as a luxury. No, it's our responsibility. It's a command. We are commanded to rest. It is a response of our discipleship. So don't ever feel guilty for taking a vacation. It's needed. So, are we finding this balance in our life? Now, I know I'm talking to some retired people, but almost universally, retired people will say to me, I am busier now than I ever have been. So, you too can well suffer. Perhaps we should begin by practicing the slows. Do you know what I mean by practicing the slows? It's, it's actually a, a discipline we can practice. So for a month, we can practice driving in the slow lane on the freeway <laughs> and try to enjoy it. We can actually drive at the speed limit while everybody else is passing by. Unless you're around Northgate, and then it's just totally impossible, right? <laughs> I mean, seriously, <laughs> what's going to happen in 10 years to I-5 going into Seattle? I, I, I don't know. See, my hurry sickness is coming out <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> we can sit and relax. Next time, you know, the plane has landed, you know, we're at the gate, the bell goes on, and we can just sit there and relax. Because after all, everybody's going to get out of the plane. And chances are you got to go to baggage claim anyway. In the grocery store, in the grocery line, we could choose to pick the longest line and not sweat it. It's part of our discipline, our spiritual discipline. Find the longest line at Costco. <laughs> and try to enjoy it. Or we can practice eating more slowly and savor our food. 
I know there's all kinds of things we can do. Practice the slows. It's possible for all of us to purposely slow down, and uh, when we do, we will find ourselves happier and enjoying life more. I don't know if you've heard, a, well, you, maybe you've seen this, the, a psalm for hurry sick people based on Psalm 23. It goes like this. Uh, the Lord is my pace setter. I shall not rush. He makes me stop and rest for quiet intervals. He provides me with images of stillness which restore my serenity. He leads me in ways of efficiency through calmness of mind and His guidance is peace. Even though I have a great many things to accomplish each day, I will not fret, for His presence is here. His timelessness, His all-importance will keep me in balance. He prepares refreshment and renewal in the midst of my activity by anointing my mind with oils of tranquility. My cup of joyous energy overflows. Surely harmony and effectiveness shall be the fruits of my hours, for I shall walk in the pace of my Lord and dwell in His house forever. So the first steps toward curing hurry sickness are these. Pace yourself, establish a rhythm, a balance between work and rest, and then purposely begin to practice slowing, and you'll find a new measure of peace and joy and greater effectiveness. And when you and I learn to slow down and to rest, important things happen. First of all, we'll have an opportunity to look up. We can look up to God and gain His perspective on life and remind ourselves of our value in Him apart from the work that we do. God says in Isaiah, lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name because of His great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. So when was the last time when you had the leisure just to gaze up into the night sky and ponder the, the majesty and the glory of God? Now, it may have been a while because of all the smoke. <laughs> um, but to remember, as we, as we look up, we remember who God is and who we are and how we are of such incredible worth to Him. So slowing down and resting affords us periods to remember what's important in life. In our ceaseless round of activity, it's so easy to forget to look up. We lose our perspective, Right? But slowing down also gives us an opportunity to enjoy life and to savor the present moment. There's an old ditty that goes, what is this life is so full of care, we have no time to sit and stare. When we're in a hurry, you know, we miss so much beauty, the joy of God's creation. God Himself rested on the seventh day so He could sit back and admire the beauty of what He had made. Perhaps we should spend more time doing that as well. Speaking of creation, I, I just think of that story of, I don't know if you visited Lake Louise, you know, this gem of a lake nestled in the Canadian Rockies, and 
Well, there's a story of this uh, American family, and they were off vacationing, and they were doing the tourist thing. And, they, and uh, the station wagon came rushing into the parking lot at Lake Louise, and this woman got out and asked the man, sir, can you tell me where Lake Louise is? And, and he, you know, he said, well, it's right there, lady. And she got back into the car. She turned to her husband and said, well, dear, we've done Lake Louise. And the car just turned around and went out. <laughs> we did it. We done that. Reminds me of a cartoon in the New York magazine, The New Yorker. The American couple are, are, are rushing up the steps of the famous Paris Museum, the Louvre, you know, and they're shouting, where's the Mona Lisa? We're double parked. So slowing down reminds us of who God is, who we are. We take time to enjoy life because God wants us to enjoy what He has made, to savor the present moment, stopping long enough to smell the roses and, again, to admire God's creation. So the cure for hurry sickness is to heed the words of Jesus to His hairy disciples. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Perhaps you've heard this prayer. Um, I'll pray it now. In fact, maybe you could pray it with me. Let us pray. Slow me down, Lord. Ease the pounding of my heart by the quieting of my mind. Steady my hurried pace. Give me amidst the day's confusion the calmness of the everlasting hills. Break the tensions of my nerves and muscles with the soothing music of singing streams that live in my memory. Help me to know the magical restoring power of sleep. Teach me the art of taking minute vacations, slowing down to look at a flower, to chat with a friend, to read a few lines from a good book. Remind me of the fable of the hare and tortoise, that the race is not always to the swift, that there is more to life than measuring its speed. Let me look up at the branches of the towering oak and know that it grew slowly and well. Inspire me to send my own roots down deep into the soil of life's endearing values, that I may grow toward the stars of my greater destiny. Slow me down, Lord. Amen.